From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have an incredible vocalist and songwriter, Dee Monet. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, I'm super excited for what we've got. We've got the elegant soul songstress Dee Monet on the show. The term best-kept secret can be overused, particularly for local music scenes with as much going on as there is in Memphis, but that distinction might be appropriate for Dee Monet. In her own way, Dee Monet has created, perhaps unintentionally, a bit of an elusive thread to her career. She hasn't necessarily made it easy for audiences to find her. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about an artist who is outwardly averse to streaming platforms. And since returning to Memphis after several years in Des Moines, Iowa, just about as far away from Memphis culturally as one can get, she's been holding down a residency performing on the outskirts of town. And if it sounds like we're piling on a bit here, we're not. Trust me, I can rag on her a bit because she's my cousin. She's your cousin? (laughs) Really? How could she be a secret then? Have you been hiding her all this time? Absolutely not. But I will say that since returning home to Memphis in the past few years, she's been quietly retooling her repertoire, making sure that she finds the perfect opportunity to switch from mostly playing covers to playing music that's the closest to her heart. Dee Monet, while obviously influenced by soul, R&B, and pop, has stated that she doesn't think her music fits neatly into any of those categories, opting instead to create a moniker for her own genre. As a holistic health and wellness enthusiast, she chose the name Alkaline Music to describe her style of music. So what is Alkaline Music? What does that sound like? Well, it doesn't sound like fruits or vegetables or (laughs) batteries or any of those things, if that's what you're thinking of. Instead, it's music that, like soul, begins from within you. And if that sounds a bit too lofty, let's just say that it's real talk, no matter if that real talk is profane, spiritual, or some combination of the two. Well put, but I think we might just have to listen to it to find out. Here's your chance. Let's go for it. Here's D. Monet, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Here's more from D. Monet, live on Bill Street Caravan. Here you go. Very simple song. It's called Why Did You Lie? Thank you. 
That was Demonet live on Beale Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from Demonet in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. I was mostly a church man, brought up in the church, and didn't believe in anything else but church. And it always made me mad to see a man with a guitar. Just wasn't brought up to it. I'd make a living by working in the cotton fields. I could plow, chop, and pick cotton. It got pretty critical. People kind of suffered a little during those years. Some places got along better than others, but stayed up against it mostly. Bad housing and all that kind of stuff. Just old common food. Those that grew crops, if they paid their debts for the food they ate, or if they cleared 40 or $50 for a year, they were satisfied. I started playing guitar in 1928. I met a guy named Willie Wilson and another called Reuben Lacey. I came along to a little place they called Matson, a little below Clarksdale. It was on a Saturday and these guys were sitting out in front of a place and they were playing. I stopped because the people were all crowded around. This boy, Willie Wilson, had an old lady snuff bottle on his finger and he was zinging it. I said, Jesus, I like that. So I eases up close to look and I see what he has on his finger. I said, I believe I wanna play one of them things. So I bought an old piece of a guitar. I showed it to Willie Wilson. He said, you'll never learn this way. You need another string. He fixed it up, showed me a couple of chords. I got me an old bottle, cut my finger a couple of times trying to fix the thing like his. But finally, I started zinging too. I'd set up and concentrate on songs and then concentrate on rhyming words. I wasn't contented anywhere anymore. I was just ramblified, you know, especially after I started playing music. 1930, I met Willie Brown and Charlie Patton. 
Charlie Patton, he was living at a place they called Lula, Mississippi. I went up to Lula to see my aunt. I heard that's where Charlie Patton lived. I'd heard of him, heard a lot of his records, so I made myself acquainted with him. Charlie's manager came down on a little tour hunting talent. He told Charlie they wanted him to come up to Grafton, Wisconsin. That's where the Paramount Records Laboratory was. Well, Charlie had been recording for them, and he told them about me, and they said, bring him along with you and bring Willie Brown. There was a girl named Louise Johnson who came along with us, Charlie's girlfriend. After we left Memphis, Tennessee, on our way to Grafton, we stopped at a little place and bought some liquor. Her and him, we all drinking. Her and Charlie got in an argument. So she gets out of the front seat and come in the back where I was. That's when it went to happening. I get a snort, she get one, kept riding along. Charlie, he's mad. He's sitting in the front. I commenced to leaning over, talking trash to her. I say, I really kind of like you, gal. And we take another big swallow. So they have a little hotel there in Grafton where the musicians stay. The man come over while we getting our grips out and give everybody their keys. I said, where did he go? Because he didn't give me no key. Louis said, I got mine and your key. I said, uh-oh. That's it then. Me and her stayed together in our little room. Charlie didn't seem like he got mad. We went up there and made our recordings separately, except for Louise playing piano. We'd cheer her up by yelling to her and saying funny things. We'd hit a lick or two with the guitars just to give her more spirit. I recorded Clarksdale Moon, Mississippi County Farm, My Black Mama, and Preaching Blues. I got paid $40 for making those records. $40. It'd take me near about a whole year to make $40 in the cotton patch. Charlie, Willie, we didn't want to be stationary, to be obligated to anybody. We figured we could make it better without plowing so much. After that, we went on back to Charlie's. He had moved to a place they called Holly Ridge, Mississippi. We went all through the country playing, the three of us together. We'd get out, throw our guitars on our shoulders, and walk four or five miles. Yeah, the balls were rough in those days. You'd sure have to run before it was over. They'd start off good, you know. Everybody happy, dancing, and some guy would be outside selling his corn whiskey, and they'd be going backwards and forwards, getting them a bottle, and they'd start getting louder and louder. They'd holler back at you if the music was going up their alley. Yes! Say it again! Guys get off center, though, start to fighting and shooting off them old owl-headed pistols. Some folks called them lemon squeezers. I knew a lot of people to get killed. One guy got shot sitting right beside me. Call him Horse. Zeb Turner come in with one of them old owl head pistols. Zeb squeezed that thing with both hands and the bullet jumped through Horse so quick he didn't realize anything happened. I said, Horse, 
ain't you shot? He said, me? Nah. And he got up and went on into the kitchen. The lady selling stuff there said, listen, if I give you your hat, will you get out of here before Zeb comes back and kills you, sure? He said, all right. He had a black Stetson hat. He put it on, and she said, go out the back way. He went on out, stepped over the little fence. He fell stiff dead and didn't realize he was shot. I finally quit the business. Stopped fooling with those country balls. Of course, you couldn't make a living off that kind of money. So I went to driving a tractor for mine. Willie wouldn't make little crops. Charlie wouldn't do either one. He'd try to be slick. He'd take up with the white folks' cook. He'd fool them up and play to them like he was so in love with them, and she'd be toting them pans from the white folks' kitchen. It was just a little while after that Charlie Patton died. We got a telegram from Bertha. That was the girl said to be his wife. He was taken with the mumps, and they went down on him. It was long, about 1943, I moved to Rochester. I started working for the New York Central. I sent for Willie to come stay with me, but he never did long. Always wanted to go back to Mississippi. I went down on vacation, first time in 10 years. People down there had a party, drinks, barbecue. Halfway thought I'd see Charlie stepping through the cotton patch. A couple of weeks after I got back to Rochester, I got a telegram from his girl that Willie was dead. I said, well, sir, all my boys are gone. I just decided I wouldn't fool with playing anymore. I don't even know what I did with the guitar. I got a letter this morning, I do, bring it red, say hurry, hurry again. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. iListenToMemphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. 
AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Travel, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and if you've just turned us on, we've been getting a crash course in alkaline music from local songstress, Demonet. Yeah, and if you haven't noticed, Demonet isn't afraid to go dive in headfirst into some topics others might only allude to when describing life experiences, especially the heartaches of relationships. I'd say it's a pretty refreshing take, but it might be a bit shocking for those who aren't ready to, shall we say, go there. Speaking of going places, you mentioned Dee Monet has a pretty staunch disdain for streaming her original music. So the question has to be asked, how does she reach her fans? At this point, this might sound a bit old school, but she's been pretty adamant about getting her fans download links through newsletters, pledge drives, email blasts, and other sorts of engagement that probably feel a bit antiquated in today's digital-first music industry. It's been tough on her, to be honest, but in a lot of ways, she's created a loyal fan base that feels much more connected to her sound and her story. That's one thing that was obvious from her sold-out show. You came on before to introduce her and mentioned that we'd be recording the show for our international radio audience. That somehow didn't stop people from a rather lively, raucous audience participation. I think that people were having a genuinely good time. And most of all, they related to Dee Monet's retelling of her pain, loss, and her triumphs more. That's what she likes from her crowds, it seems. So maybe I was the one who was out of line. Sounds like music helps heal her and heal them. So that's what alkaline music is all about. I get it. Seems like you've got it figured out. And even though I'm her cousin, I think that I might even be a bit more confused than when I started. But maybe that just means I got to live a bit more life to understand. Well, as our founder, Sid Selvage, used to always say, keep living, keep living. Let's go back and hear more music from Dee Monet live on Bill Street Caravan. You know, if y'all feel like dancing, it's okay, you know. Y'all don't have to be that serious, you know. That was a serious song, but we're here for Dee Monet in the green room, okay? So y'all can rock. You can stand up and dance if you want to. You can do all that. You can groove, uh, uh. You can groove tonight, uh. You can groove it and move it and soothe it and do it, yeah. Poor child, thought you would have learned your lesson. Don't get it now 
up just a little bit tonight, y'all, so. Come on, can y'all snap your finger a little bit? You can snap, you can clap, you can do whatever makes you feel good, y'all. Ooh, 
favor, y'all. We've got Demonet here on the Bill Street Caravan. Demonet, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, 2020 has uh, started off really, really well. So, yeah, I'm really, really good. Thank you for having me here today. This recent concert, it felt to me like this was just a one-of-a-kind kind of crowd for what I think is a one-of-a-kind kind of artist. How did it feel for you up there? Honestly, it was really mind-blowing. I really did not expect, first of all, a sold-out show. I really didn't expect the enthusiasm of everybody wanting to come and hear my original music. I just made up in my mind that I would just focus on being honest and just sharing my truth. And the response from that, it was just so surprising to me. It was received very well. So uh, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the show. It was great. Was it tough being vulnerable and pulling back that veil? It always is. But sometimes in some senses being vulnerable, you can find your strength in that. How long have you been working on those songs? Some of these songs I started back in the early 2000s. And Chrysalis, the EP that I have, there are a few songs on there that were just recently, uh, that I recently started writing on. So all of this stuff has just been kind of coming into fruition for several years. And Talk to me about Dry, your single. Can you talk to me about the inspiration for that song and maybe how it's ministered to you uh, as you've continued to push through? When I did have my surgery, that was the time when I had my surgery in 2012, I was writing Dry. And it was at a time where uh, living my life and going about and doing things, um, doing things for people, being more of a, I guess, a people pleaser, not wanting to uh, hurt anyone's feelings, you know, the nice girl, not wanting to say no um, to things that people would ask me to do. And after a while, it just kind of took a toll on me. The main part of the song, Dry, which is when they suck you till you dry, that means that no matter how kind you are, no matter how uh, giving that you can be, there are some people who don't appreciate uh, the kindness. They take your kindness for weakness. And what they'll do is they'll suck that energy out of you. They'll take advantage of every part of what you have to give and nothing to give back until you're pretty much dry. You took a little time away from Memphis. What was that like? Because I'm pretty sure, you know, it was a bit of a shift in cultural expectations, especially performing. It was interesting. I did move to Des Moines, Iowa. The main reason was I had received a promotion and a raise at the job that I was currently at. But I also felt like I needed a change. I felt like I needed to heal from some things. I needed to grow. I needed to mature. And it kind of goes back to the song that I wrote about trauma. Uh, some of that, it relates to part of why I moved as well. The music scene, I kind of looked it up a little bit before I left just to see, you know, what the music scene was about. There was a lot of rock heavy country music and things. And I just wanted to figure out, well, how could I create a market for R&B and soul? And I ended up playing for two funk soul bands there. And I ended up being the front woman for the band and also playing the keyboard as well, which that's how my skills began to grow a little, a little bit more in that area. And um, it was just really, really cool. It was really cool. How's the reception been to the EP that you put out, Chrysalis? Reception has been very, very good. Things in my life have changed. I have changed, so my music has evolved as well. And so uh, Chrysalis, it has real stories in there. There's a little bit more realness. There's some cursing in there. But it's to make a point, you know, it's not just to be vulgar or anything like that. It's really just to make points in the song. I wasn't sure how people were going to take that. Well, a lot of people, I'm sure, who have been listening to our broadcast might want to know about alkaline music and, and, and what that means. Alkaline music is music that heals. 
And that's really the focus that I have with my music, the melodies, the composition, the chords, and with the things that I've gone through and the life experiences that I wanted to share, there's healing involved with that as well. So there's always a healing element to my music, and that is my goal, but then also the feedback from other people. When I sing or when I, after a show, if I, they come and, and we talk, they say, well, oh, your music is so soothing. I mean, your music did something to me. I felt like it healed something. Another friend of mine, real tough guy, you know, really tough. And it was me, him, and a few of his other friends. Manly men, very tough men. But when they heard my music, they just kind of melted. And I just feel like my music has a healing element to it. Also, I reach to the source. I know that all of this is not coming from me. I know that a lot of this is coming from God. And I'm inspired by the things that are brought to me. It's almost like some things are hand-delivered, like, hey, here's some chords. Play these chords. Put this bass line here. Put this here. Put these words in this way here. When you think of Memphis music, are there any artists here locally from our musical past or maybe even now that you draw inspiration from, you get your energy from? Oh yeah, definitely. I know there are a lot more uh, newer musicians that are on the scene, but the people that inspired me and inspire me now are some of the people that I got my start with. One of those is Carmen Hicks. She's an excellent vocalist. Will Graves, he has his own original songs as well. Oh, it's so many people. Bird Williams, Devin Crutcher, Gerald Richardson, Karen Brown. And there's so many that are coming to mind. I just can't think of them all, but it's so many. And that's another thing. There are so many Memphis musicians that are coming out with their own original music, their own style. They're creating their own platforms. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing your style on our platform, and uh, we hope to hear from you soon. Well, thank you so much, and thanks again for having me here. Absolutely. Thanks. Here's more from Demonet live on Bill Street Caravan. You got to put 
live on Bill Street Caravan. You can hear her music, buy her latest EP, Chrysalis, or even sign up for vocal lessons on her website. That's dmonetmusic.com. This was her very first full show with all original music. We'll be hoping for more in this new year in Memphis or near you. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.